Hi, good morning. Uh, we'll start in around 10 minutes. Thank you for coming. Morning. Hi, good Hi, morning. Good. How are you? Thank you I'm for fine. coming. Of course. So were you able to add him as a co-host? No, um, we need to. Hi, Johannes, how are you? Thank you for coming. Uh, Johannes will be a guest speaker in the future. So um, welcome. Welcome. If you want to speak in a room, like right now you're in the audience, you would need to uh, press the hand raising button if you want to chat really quick with us. Um, it's next to the microphone symbol, there's a hand raising option, or I'll invite you to speak. Oh, yeah, there you are. Hi, Johannes, how are you? Um, the unmute button is all the way on the bottom right. Um, there's a little microphone symbol. 
Oh yeah, yes. you got it. Sorry, yep. I think now I now I got it. Now I yes, got it. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm very happy to meet you. Sorry for for the technical problems. <laughs> oh no worries. Uh, nice meeting you too. <laughs> how how are you today? Very fine. Very fine. Thank you. And you? Good. Good. I'm actually I'm... on vacation. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's good. That's but good. science keeps on, also in vacation. Exactly. Right? Science never stops. Right? Perfect. Hi, no. Jimmy. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Hi, everybody. You wanna, Hi, everybody. Um, Sorry. You found the, the most important options here, and we followed each other. I will send you later um, a link where you're a speaker because. Uh, now that we follow each other, Thank I can you very add much. you as a speaker. So, Perfect. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Johannes will um, be coming um, later on and he will talk about um, how neurons control feeding behavior uh, at cortical synapses. So it will be really interesting and actually kind of related. So. Are you interested in listening to the talk today? Yes, I would like to listen if it's possible. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> we are always happy if people would like to listen, so that's perfect. Uh, yeah, meet Sasirahim, meet Jamie. They are both uh, here um, also moderating uh, the rooms with me. So, Very big pleasure to meet you. Your paper is fascinating. Oh, uh, Johannes is not the guest speaker today. He will be a guest speaker oh. um, later on. Ah. But he just made an account. We just followed each other. Um, it will be on July 20th, uh, the talk. Excellent. Yeah, and this is good practice really now to, you know, kind of figure out the platform as well. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Hi, Frank. Hi, Suhil. Hi, Sarah. Uh, welcome. We will start in around um, seven minutes. Uh, we are uh, we started the room earlier, so our guest speaker can, you know, figure out how to join and um, and to share the link. So yeah, thank you everyone for being here, hanging out. Hey, did you see my messages? Well, let me check.
Cecilia, do you know if it's still the case that um that you have to first log into your phone and only then the desktop app works? Oh, um, no. All you need is uh your your phone to give you like the sign in code. You know that code that he asks for. It says uh, putting your phone number and we'll send you the code. So that's it. So your phone will just send you that code and then you can enter it on the desktop app. So you don't necessarily have to sign in on your phone. Okay, because he says he's having trouble logging in. So, um, yeah, I said to maybe just try it first on the phone and try the desktop app again. So, but we still have a couple of minutes. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Gilbert. <laughs> how are you? Hello. How's everybody doing? Wonderful. How's yeah. your summer going? Hi, D. Not bad. Sorry. Hi. <sighs> how are you? Good, good. I'm doing good, actually. I'm happy to be here, finally, on time. Yeah. In the meantime, you can meet um, Dr. Johannes Vogt. Uh, he will be a guest speaker on July 20th and came to join us today to listen to this talk, uh, which is very cool. Doctor, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm looking forward to your talk. Uh, doctor, you got to unmute if you're speaking. You got to click the mic. Oh, maybe he's not close to his phone. <laughs> uh, Katarina, if nothing else, I guess uh, Dr. Maldonado could just sign in on his phone. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I suggested. So, um...
everyone. I know it's uh, it's nine o'clock, nine o one, but just bear with us. Um, our guest speakers uh, still having some technical difficulties. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll be here soon. Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, we're going to start in a moment. Um, our guest speaker is still trying to figure out the app. Um, the desktop app for some reason is not figuring out something, <laughs> um, but we're going to start soon. So thank you for coming. In the meantime, you could go ahead and read the paper that's posted at the top. That's um, that's the paper that we'll be discussing today. I would encourage everybody to have a little look because it actually is quite fascinating stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing this doctor's uh, talk um, as soon as they're up and running. Um, and thank you everyone for being with us. He's saying that he's not allowed to enter. I, I'm not sure why that would be. I never, um, never heard of it. Um, Does he follow you? No, he's just apparently making the account now. So, um, oh no. But he's is allowed it? to enter the room, no? When he said it, doesn't um, you're not allowed to enter? Is that like access denied? Has he made his account? Or I like, don't know. He just him to wrote, okay. he's not allowed to enter. Um, oh. Well, do you have his phone number? Maybe you could 
speak to him on the phone or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let me. Yeah, if I drop out, I'm on the phone. Real quick. Yeah, of course, of course. So this talk is Dr. Maldonado's Food Addiction Vulnerability in Microrna Signatures. Um, so this is for everybody who's interested in microRNA. I know I am. I don't know really much about it as I'd like to, but this is what these uh, things are for. Um, are you interested in this, Cece Rahim, with the microRNAs? Yeah, I am. But actually, the part of uh, part of what I'm more interested in, it, uh, um, I think you'll be fascinated to learn, is Dr. Maldonado actually does research on um, certain things like um, um, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and things like that. And that's kind of the vein that I'm hoping to get from this. So, um, yeah, the perspective. And I think it's going to be really interesting looking at it from that point of view. Most definitely. Isn't it really interesting when we actually find the biological mechanisms that's uh, making things difficult for people? I think there's so many people that can take comfort in knowing um, that there could be something out there to help them along with this rather than just feeling adrift in it. It's a very big problem. I even said in the paper that it's, it has a big problem. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes having some solid research behind something like this, it does help um, with maybe naysayers or people who are like, oh, this does not exist or this is, you know, I don't believe in um, a condition like this. So having research like this definitely does add some credibility to um, people who might be going through something. So, yeah, I like that. Not just credibility, but hope, right? Because if it's something that gets acknowledged, that it's something that's getting the attention to give people a helping hand there. A lot of times you can psychologically get through a lot more knowing that there's a reason behind it, or at least some cause, as opposed to just be told, oh, you have this and uh, we don't know what it caused it. Anyway, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've had a few rooms on uh, uh, microRNA as well in the past, which anyone listening to this should see about checking them out. Um, and they've always been really fascinating to me um, as, as these like things that we, we haven't been given enough attention to uh, and yet might actually have a, a big say in what happens with our DNA and everything. That I've always found that to be incredibly interesting. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Did you deal with it much in epidemiology, Cesarine? Oh, sorry, I was away. <laughs> um, yeah, 
So um, the, the beauty of epidemiology is, you know, we get to actually investigate the disease um, and kind of provide um, almost a trail of where the disease came from, what are some of the things that affect the um, spread, what are some of the things that make it worse or better. So, yes, we do deal with some of that there, but um, yeah, with just people not understanding or accepting the evidence. I think that's, you know, even during this pandemic, you see people not accepting the evidence of the existence of things. So, yeah, but uh, thankfully we do have evidence to show. So I'm happy about that. I'll agree to that. Yeah, I think we could all agree there. For everyone that's um, been popping in just now, um, welcome to Science Society. Um, we're just in the process of helping our speaker set up with Clubhouse. So if you can just bear with us, we will be soon talking to Dr. Maldonado. And the topic is food addiction vulnerability and microRNA signatures. Um, so we're mostly just relaxing and um, just chatting for a little bit until everything's all fixed and we are very grateful to have you here and very grateful for your patience. Thank you. Yeah, and for those of you who, you know, you know us, you know, this is very unusual for us. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is technology and we do have technical difficulties every now and then. So I guess it was bound to happen. But, you know, this is that one time that it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, but, you know, this is, you know, the Science Society and we, we're always on top of things. So just wanted to, um, but thanks for coming though, still. Absolutely. I think every single person in Clubhouse who's here at the moment will all be nodding <laughs> in agreement with regards to some, some technical issues from time to time with the, the SAP. As Sissy Rahim was saying before, um, the paper is pinned um, up in the room. So if anybody's curious to have a little read of that, um, just to get a little bit of background information, um, they can do. Um, it's quite interesting. There's even a, a little video attached when um, some of the people involved were talking about what they were doing. So anybody who wants to have a little look at that can do.
Hi, Dr. Shah. Nice seeing you here again. Hi, Jamie. Hi, everyone. So as you can see, Katerina is on the phone uh, with Dr. Maldonado. So they're talking things out. Hopefully everything gets sorted out. I don't know what's happening with Clubhouse today. Um, Dr. Maldonado literally cannot find the room. <laughs> it was not allowed to come in. Um, and so, yeah, but hopefully that, that, that gets sorted. Yeah, I'm going to go on a slight tangent for a second and, and talk about these little pictures up here, how you've got the microscope for science and the red apple for health. A white heart for addiction? Is is, is that is that appearing the same to everybody else? Yeah, it's the same. Um, I don't know why <laughs> the apple, I guess an apple a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> That's what I thought the apple was. That's exactly what I thought. But the pizza with engineering, I have to really squint to try and imagine that. Maybe because, I don't know, pizza's an incredible example of human engineering. I don't know. Um, but white heart being addiction, I don't, I don't even, does a white heart symbolize anything that anyone can? Um, I'll look at it. Yeah, that I'm not understanding. If anyone in the uh, room has any ideas of why there'd be a white heart for addiction, uh, just drop it in the room chat and we'll, <laughs> we'll hear what you think. Okay, so um, some sort of <laughs> solution has been arrived at by Katerina. So hopefully this works. Let's see what happens when she comes back. Um, but speaking of the white heart, so uh, it says the white heart is used to represent love, support, close bonds, and admiration for things that have some relation to the color white, such as white colored clothing or animals. I don't know. <laughs> it just means pure love. I guess it's just a supportive thing to, you know, for someone who, you know, is struggling from addiction, maybe. Oh, interesting. So the symbol is a more of a symbol of the positive response to addiction as opposed to an image that portrays the thing, like microscope meaning science. Yeah, because That's interesting. here it says, what is the color for addiction recovery? And it's purple. The official color for National Recovery Month is purple. <laughs> so not white. Oh, there you go. See, this is why I come to Science Society. Because every single time I'm here, I always learn something new. And I hope that's the same for everybody here. Yes, no, definitely. Um, 
And one more time, um, this is one of those rare occasions where we have issues like technical difficulties. Our speaker, Dr. Maldonado, just could not get into the room. We don't know what's happening with Clubhouse, but um, Katarina is working on it. Um, she left the room just to go like help him get in. Um, I think the thing is maybe he might use her account instead of his. So... <laughs> We might see Katarina's face, but hear Dr. Maldonado's voice. I think that's what it might happen. So let's see how that goes. Thanks again for your patience. We are gonna get started really soon, I promise. But we all know if Katarina's taking care of it, it's all pretty much sorted. She's she's always really great at like, having things well. Oh, hi, Katarina. So, is it Katarina oh, or Dr. Maldonado? Who is it? I'm uh, Maldonado. Oh hey! Welcome, doctor. Hi, Hi but I am in the phone. I I don't know how how it will be possible to go to my computer because I had my presentation in the computer. Oh man! I may I try with the link? Yeah, and also, is it possible for you to maybe open your computer and put the phone next to it? Like, just put your phone next to your computer as you're speaking. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I have now the, the, the computer very, very close from the, the phone very close from the computer. So what should I do now to, to open the, the session from my computer? Okay, Um. so the slides, do you have slides or a presentation or yeah. something on your computer? I, I, oh. I do have a slide, yes. Yeah, yeah. So just open that and just read from it or speak from it. We can hear you clearly. So whatever you say, we can hear it. Okay, so without, so I, I present without slides. Oh yeah, you don't have to share your slides on Clubhouse. We already have the link to your paper pinned at the top, so. Okay. Yes, okay. yes, okay. yes. Sorry, sorry. I thought that was a, a classical presentation. <laughs> sorry, no, I was no, not aware. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, no, go ahead and present. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're going to do a short introduction while you are getting settled. Um, yeah, so finally, we're starting. Everybody, hello. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and thank you for your patience. Um, this is actually Dr. Maldonado, who is behind um, Katarina's profile. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'm just going to give a short introduction of Dr. Maldonado, and then we can get started. So um, Dr. Rafael Maldonado, um, he got his degree in medicine, his MD degree from the Universidad de Cadiz. And also he got a PhD in pharmacology from same university. Um, he also got another PhD in molecular pharmacochemistry from the University um, René Descartes in Paris. Um, and then he also has a diploma to research direction from the same university. And so currently he is a full professor of pharmacology at the University the Universitat Pompeu Fabra. I think that's also in um it's in France also. Um no, and he Oh, in Spain. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's in Spain. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sounded like Spanish to me as well. <laughs> um, so he's carried out research for 11 years in France and the USA. And since 2000, the year 2000, um, he's a professor of pharmacology, um, like I mentioned, in Spain at the University Pompeu Fabra, where he founded the Laboratory of Neuropharmacology, which presently has around 30 people under his direction. Um, he's 
His research is focused on the study of neurochemical slash anatomical bases of drug dependence, including opioids, cannabinoids, and nicotine. Moreover, he's studying affective disorders like depression and anxiety and neuropathic pain and eating disorders. He has over 350 scientific articles in international journals, and he has been the principal investigator for 25 years of research grants funded by the main Spanish, European, and USA um, agencies. He is also a reviewer, a member of the editorial board of several scientific journals, and he has also collaborated with public authorities and private companies in the research policy and pharmaceutical development on drug abuse and pain. Um, so he has a well-consolidated experience as a group leader and investigator in neurobehavioral projects using animal models in an integrated approach. Um, it is an honor to have you here, Dr. Maldonado. Um, thank you for coming. Um, and so usually before we start the presentation, we just, you know, sometimes want to have some questions about you personally, because that was your your professional background. So, um, yeah, I want to know, Jamie, are you open to asking Dr. Maldonado um, about his background in science? Absolutely, Dr. Maldonado. Um, and we won't take too long, Ken, but but thank you very much for he, being here on behalf of Science Society. Um, and first of all, I'd like to just ask you, when did you first discover a fascination and affinity for science? And at what time in your life did you see this as being your future? Well, uh, that, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was when, when I, I was uh, st starting my PhD. That was a, a, a project devoted to uh, opioid addiction. At that moment, it was the heroin epidemic in Europe, in USA. And uh, we, we found some, uh, some specific components, some, some compounds. We were investigating benzodiazepine at that moment. And we found one particular benzodiazepine, flunitrazepam, that produced a, a dramatic effect on opioid dependence. And for me, that was the first uh, passionating result that uh, just inspired me just to go to do a science career because I'm I'm a I'm, I'm medical doctor. I have a, a medical degree, and at the beginning, you can imagine that my idea was to um, do the medical practice. And finally, I'm here doing science. That's incredible. Thank you very much. And. Uh... One last question, and then we'll get into it. Is um, what was what was the story behind you leading to this paper here today? What got you on this track specifically? The, the, this uh, for, for this particular paper, paper for this particular paper, the 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 first the first point was the 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 controversy about food addiction, because food addiction is really a, a very controversial issue, and we uh, we just uh, Proposed a challenge that was to to set up a, a model in mice in rodents of food addiction, and once that we finally develop this model of food addiction in mice, we start this uh, new project that uh, I'm, I'm really also very very passionate with this with this new project. Thank you very much for sharing that. We we always love hearing a bit of the background behind it. Now. Thank you very much, Dr. Maldonado. Now, when you're ready, um, just relax and uh, we're ready for your talk. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you and very also, much. 
Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, um, are you, you just let us know if you don't mind maybe questions as you're giving your talk. So, you know, you can have interruptions and then we ask you questions or if you want to wait until the end and then we can ask you questions. So whichever one no, works no, for you. No, 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 no. I, I prefer the question in the middle. Okay. At the moment that there is any, any question, anything that you don't understand, please interrupt me and ask me the questions. That's perfect. Okay, thank you. Well, thank there you, you go. Go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, just to very briefly uh, present this, this new paper that, that appeared two months ago on genomic investigation that is called microRNA signatures associated with vulnerability to food addiction in mice and humans. So first to underline that this is a collaborative project. Eh? We are the, in the University of Pompeu Fabra, but others, other groups in the University of Girona, University of Barcelona, also contribute to, to get this final result that has been now published. So what, what was the starting point? The starting point, as I said, was the, the controversial, the controversy about food addiction. Because the, the concept of food addiction was already defined in 1956 eh, by, by Randolph. Eh? At that moment, let's see, eh, almost 65 years ago, it was defined that uh, some individuals, some, some particular persons with some particular food can develop a, 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 dis, a, a disorder that mimic drug addiction. That was in 1956, but today we are in 2022, and the last uh, manual of psychiatric disorders, the DSM-5, doesn't accept yet, doesn't include yet food addiction. So um, see, the, the controversy is still open. Food addiction, it is really a, a mental disorder. It is not. And this is this is a, a, a real controversy. You know? So if we go to DSM-5, to the, to the concept of, of substance use disorder, there are three hallmarks of addiction that, uh, that are, are defined in the DSM-5. These three hallmarks are the persistence in seeking the drug, the motivation for drug consumption, that means the, 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 the drug is really the center of the life of the person, and third, the compulsivity. That means the, 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 the person is taking the drug in spite of the negative consequences of drug consumption. So this is in the same five. But as I say, food addiction is controversial. It's controversial and there is today, there are food addiction scores to define this disorder in humans. And there is the Yale food addiction scale that has been redefined recently using exactly the same criteria than for substance use disorder. That means persistence to, to seek the drug, motivation for to seek the food, excuse me, motivation for the food, and compulsivity to taking the food. And so uh, we have in, 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 in the paper that, that, that uh, we publish now in Journal of Clinical Investigation, we use this model of food addiction in mice. So how is possible to develop food addiction in mice? For that, we use the operant behavioral models. We use the Skinner boxes. Remember, in the Skinner box, the animal, the mouse, learn 
a behavior, in this case, in order to obtain a reward. So to develop food addiction in mice, we need, we need first a particular kind of food. Which one? Chocolate flavor pellets. Mice love chocolate. They really love chocolate. And they, can, they become added to, to, to this particular flavor, to chocolate flavor pellets. So, but we need a, a really very long period of training. In our operant model, we train the animals during a period of 115 days, almost four months. You can imagine the, the length of the training in a mouse. A mouse, as you, as you know, just live for a period of two years and a half. So we are training the mice during four months in order to obtain this food addiction. And how do we evaluate persistence? Persistent to, to, to seek the drug again and again, we evaluate just by, the, by taking a 10-minute off period in the middle of the operant session. That's mean the operant session is on during 25 minutes, suddenly the light disappears, and during 10 minutes the session is off. An animal that persists to seek for food is still making active responding in the in the Skinner box during these 10 minutes periods. And, and here is the, the way to evaluate the persistence to seeking the seeking the food. How do we, eva we evaluate the motivation? The motivation we evaluate with a classical progressive ratio schedule of reinforcement. It consists that the first time that the animal press to obtain food, the animal must press only once. To obtain the second pellet, to obtain the second pellet, the animal must press five times. Third pellet, 12 times. Fourth pellet, 21 times. And, and this is increasing, increasing, increasing. And there are mice, there are mice that press 2,000, 2,000 times in the active level just to obtain one single pellet. This is a extremely high motivation to obtain the pellet. You can imagine a mouse pressing 2,000 times in, 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 a, in a lever. That's happening. That's happening animal that has a extremely high motivation for the food. And the compulsivity, compulsivity that is the, the resistant to punishment. We use a fixed ratio five. That means the animal must press five times in the active lever in order to obtain one uh, chocolate flavor pellet. So in this compulsivity session, when the animal press time in the active lever, he receives a food shock. And when he press the fifth time, he receives another food shock and then the pellet. So you can imagine the compulsivity. There is really a negative effect because the animal receives two food shocks before receiving the pellet. So using this protocol, we are able to classify animals in resist in, in, in resilient or vulnerable to develop food addiction. And so normally in, in a normal population of mice, you can get animals that get 
addicted when approximately, approximately 22-23% is the, 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 the normal rate of addictive behavior in the in the normal population of, of mice, of, of, of Swiss albino or black cis G mice. That are the two the two backgrounds, the empty background that we usually use in this in, in these studies. So in a previous study that we just we published uh, last year in, in Nature Communication, we identify by using dread techniques that one particular brain area that is the, the, the medial prefrontal cortex and one particular cell type that are the glutamatergic projection from the medial prefrontal cortex play a crucial role in the development of food addiction. So in this previous nature communication, we identify the brain area, the medial prefrontal cortex as a key area for developing food addiction, for, for the control of this food addiction. And taking into account this result that we previously published in initial communication, now we, we ask what are the, the specific changes occurring in the medial prefrontal cortex that lead to this food addiction. And in this study, we have focused in one particular epigenetic component that are the microRNAs. You know that the microRNAs are non-coding small RNAs that modulate the expression of the genes. How do the microRNA modulate the expression of the gene? When a microRNA is present, normally it's going to promote messenger RNA degradation or just to suppress the translation of the, the, the translation of the of the RNA. So the presence of these microRNAs is going to produce an inhibition in the gene expression. And normally microRNAs are polyvalent because they are going to play with a large number of genes. So an up or, or a down regulation of a particular microRNA is going to modify a lot of different genes. So Using this protocol of long operant training in the Skinner boxes, during, in, in, in the case of the Juno Africa investigation, it was during 92 days, we categorize mice as resilient or vulnerable to develop food addiction. And we just took the extreme population, that means the extreme mice that develop all the characteristics of this food addiction and the extreme resilient mice, those that are fully unaffected by this loss of control, those that, that really has a maximum control of their behavior. So we have these two extreme populations, mice that are resilient to develop food addiction, mice that are vulnerable to develop food addiction. And we took these two streams and we analyzed in the medial prefrontal cortex the expression of the different microRNAs. And what we, what we found? We found a lot of microRNAs that were down-regulated. Down-regulated. Remember, eh? microRNAs are going to inhibit protein expression, eh? to inhibit gene expression. So we, we, the majority of microRNAs 
were downregulated. And there were some few microRNAs that were upregulated, but really, really in not very consistent way. Eh? Because that later, when we did the, 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 the validation of this finding by RT-PCR, the validation was possible with those microRNAs that were downregulated, but was much more difficult with those that were upregulated. So by, by, by informatic analysis, we underline we, we, from the list of, 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 of microRNAs that were were sorry downregulated in, in, the, in the mice vulnerable to develop food addiction, we identify three particular microRNAs that could be relevant for food addiction that, that were the, the Mirna 29C, the Mirna 137, and the Mirna 665. And these are these were the results that we obtained in, in, in mice. So now, in collaboration with the with the group of Girona, with Manuel Fernandez Real, he did the same behavioral analysis in humans. That's me. He applied this Yale food addiction score in, in a large cohort of humans, and he select those humans that were resilient to develop food addiction, that really control very well the, the behavior through seeking food, and those that fulfill all the criteria of food addiction. And we did it in parallel. That means um, the, the, the clinician, they focus exactly in the same criteria that we focus in mice. That means persistent to response, persistent to seek the food, motivation for the food, and compulsivity for the food. Seeking the food in spite of the negative consequences. So using exactly the same behavioral approach in animals and in humans, the clinicians just analyze the microRNAs. Of course, microRNAs were the plasmatic microRNAs, remember? The microRNAs are present in the different brain areas, of course, but there are also circulating microRNAs that are at the plasma level. So just by measuring these peripherally circulating microRNAs in humans, uh, Jose Manuel Fernández Real, he found exactly the same, very similar, it's not to say no, but very similar microRNAs that were down-regulated, down-regulated in humans that were vulnerable to develop food addiction. And interestingly, our, I forgot to say that our experiment were done in male mice. The clinician found this down-regulation of the, these microRNAs mainly in men, not in women. So there is also a, a gender, a sex, equivalence in animals and in humans. And from the different microRNAs that were identified in, in humans, there was one that where the correlation was particularly dramatic. That was the microRNA 29C. So we have here results in animals and in humans that are really very similar. We did the same behavioral analysis and in the medial prefrontal cortex of our mice, we found a down regulation of microRNAs that were also down regulated 
in plasma, in humans that are vulnerable to develop the food addiction. So until now, we just have an association, an association of a behavior without down regulation of some particular microRNAs. But now we must demonstrate that, that this microRNA indeed participate in the behavior. How may we do that? By using mice, of course, by using mice, we identify, of course, the, the, the first microRNA of relevance that merit to be investigated was the microRNA 29C that was in perfect correlation in humans and in uh, mice. So we use a, a classical strategy, a strategy, research strategy, that is the tag decoy. The tag decoy means that you administer this, this, uh, this decoy that is going to target the microRNA 29C and you are going to produce and down regulation by using adenovirus, eh? by using an adenoviral approach, you, you just produce a down regulation of the Mirna 29C in the area of interest. What was the area of interest? The prelimbic, the prelimbic medial prefrontal cortex. The, the area that we identify as the most directly involved in the behavioral responses mediated, mediating this food addiction that was in, in our previous national communication paper. So now we administer this tag decoy in the prelimbic medial prefrontal cortex and we produce a down regulation of the Mirna 29C and we evaluate the behavior. Remember that a mouse vulnerable to develop food addiction is going to have a down regulation of the Mirna 29C in the prefrontal cortex. So our hypothesis is that if we decrease the expression of Mirna 29C in the medial prefrontal cortex, we are going to produce, to generate a mouse that is, that is vulnerable to develop food addiction. And indeed, our hypothesis was confirmed by using this tag decoy approach. Eh? Because as, as you can see in the, in the paper, when you downregulate the Mirna 29C, you produce a, a, a dramatic increase in the persistent response, a, a, a very important increase also in the, in the motivation, but interestingly, compulsivity was not modified. So if we, in this case, animals were trained during a short period, eh? because our hypothesis was that animals are vulnerable to develop food addiction. So we don't need the four months of training, just one month. And after one month of training, you can see that the normal animals, the, the animals that, that, that just received the, 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 the control injection, uh, only 15, 1.5% of mice develop food addiction. However, if you produce a down regulation of Mirna 29C in the prefrontal cortex, 50, half of the mice develop food addiction in a very short period, in only one month. So these results validate Mirna, Mirna 29C as a key component of food addiction, in particular in terms of persistent response. The second microRNA that we validated was the Mirna 665. And the result was also very nice here, eh? because as you can see, persistent response was not modified. Motivation neither, but look compulsivity. 
There was a significant increase in compulsivity in those animals where you made a down regulation of the MIRNA 665 in the medial prefrontal cortex. And if you look at the, the, the total number of animals that develop food addiction after one month of training, you can see that only 16.6% per, of Hello? Yes? Yeah, hello. <laughs> okay, okay. So then we we took the third uh, uh, microRNA candidate that was the 137. And here the result was negative. There was a tendency to increase persistence, to increase compulsivity, but finally it was not significant. So this, this third microRNA that we suppose that could play a crucial role, finally, no? Finally, we were unable to, to validate the role of this microRNA because when we downregulate the microRNA in the medial prefrontal cortex, we don't modify the behavior. So you can see that by, by using this approach that was a, a, a translational approach, eh, using both uh, rodent approaches and clinical studies in humans, we identify specific signatures of microRNAs, signature of microRNA in the medial prefrontal cortex in mice, and at the plasmatic level in humans that are both closely correlated in mice and in humans and that may allow to identify the vulnerability to develop food addiction. So this microRNA, we, we, we suggest that can be used as possible biomarkers to, de to define the vulnerability to develop food addiction. And we also identify the MIRNA-29C as a crucial component in the in the uh, crucial crucial mechanism in the persistence and the motivation to, to seek the food and in contrast the mirna 665 he play, this mirna plays a crucial role in the compulsivity developed during food addiction so the different mirnas play a different component in this complex behavior that is called food addiction. And the, the identification of, of these specific signatures may help not only to, to identify possible biomarkers, but also in a future to identify possible new uh, therapeutic approach. Because remember that now we have a lot of novel medicaments that are, are, are being developed in order to just modify the expression of the micro of, of the of the messenger RNA. So this approach, we think that in the future could probably be a, a possible approach to treat in the future food addiction. And I think that this is what I would like to explain. Wow! Thank you so much, Dr. Maldonado. That was wonderful. Oh my gosh, my mind is definitely blown. Um, learning about all these things that you have just shared. Um, and I'm pretty sure you know everyone in the room probably feels the same way. Um, and so I mean, you were saying we should stop you in the mid middle to ask questions, but you're so good at explaining that I personally didn't have a ton of questions. Um, that you know there were more about understanding, and because I just also didn't want to interrupt you because you were. Going 
going so well. Um, but I think now we can get questions. Um, if anyone is on stage, has any questions, please flash your mics. Um, and also, if you're in the audience and you have any questions, please come up on stage and ask your questions, or you can post them in the chat and we can ask them for you. Um, okay, so we have someone coming up. Um, but Jamie Gilbert, uh, Dr. Shah, do you have any questions? Oh, I actually do. Sorry, Dr. Mazan, I'd always find the mute button there. Um, your talk was actually incredible. And like Sister Rahim just said there, you were very, very good at explaining a lot of things. Um, one question I did have for you um, was that when you say um, how this became a bigger, pro how the eating disorder issue became a bigger problem, especially through COVID, does this mean external factors like psychological ones actually can affect the actual uh, behaviour of the microRNA and everything? Because if you're giving biological reasons and yet you mention uh, an external reason uh, makes this worse, is there a connection? Yeah, well, the, the, this epigenetic mechanism, remember that is just the link be, between environmental factors and genes. So this is an, an environmental, uh, psychological factors and genes. So our, our hypothesis is that this epigenetic component, these microRNAs are really the link between the, 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 the behavior, the, the, this, as you say, this psychological tendency to lose the control and the expression of the genes. It's a, it's a, a, a mechanism that, that could represent the link between genes and uh, environmental factors. Thank you very much, Doctor. Um, I have more questions, but I want to uh, free the stage up for the audience. So, Sister Rahim, who's next? Yeah, uh, no. Uh, Gilbert, do you have any questions? Dr. Shaw? If not, oh, go ahead, Gilbert. No, I'm actually, I'm, I'm enjoying listening in so far. Uh, no questions yet. Uh, I think Aslak has a question. Okay, yeah, let's go ahead. Um, Aslak, do you have any questions? Yeah, thank you so much. It was really interesting. I actually only got part of the, I came a little late to this, uh, but super interesting. Um, so just my question is that, is there some, um, um, does this mean basically, no, how would you put this in like from a, is there a clinical um, uh, kind of a protocol that could be of value coming from this research that you would see? coming up and the, 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 for me for, for us the, the, the clinical value of that is the identification of a biomarker if, if you you know that there is a, a, a vulnerability in humans to develop a loss of eating control we call food addiction but everybody at least call loss of eating control and you are unable to know who is going to lose or not eating control and so if imagine that just by uh, taking a plasma sample, you can have a biomarker of a, a, a possible possible biomarker of the vulnerability to develop, develop this loss of eating control. For us, this is the 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 the, the, the most 
the, 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 the clinical value of, of, of this result. The possibility of, 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 of finding of find in a future, of course, a biomarker needs to be verified in, in large cohorts, and this is just a proposal, but this is for us is, is the, 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 the clinical value of, of, of our result. And as, as I said, the second clinical value in a future could be the possibility to develop to the possibility to develop novel treatments. We have now the, 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 the messenger RNA that everybody has used to, to be vaccinated against COVID-19. So we propose that probably in a future, just by uh, increasing the microRNA expression, you could modify, you could inhibit this loss of eating control. But this is in, in a future, of course. In the present, the biomarkers. Okay, thank you. Oh yeah, go ahead, Dr. Shah. Yeah, thank you so much, Doctor. That was absolutely fascinating work. And my question from you, because we know that the role of the 29C in a different pathway, and specifically about the inflammatory cytokines. And I was just wondering, did you came up with the I mean, any results that uh, that can be related to the activated of the T cells alongside with your research or not? Yeah, you are, you are fully right. This is the, 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 the study that we are doing now and we expect to submit the paper rather soon. We, we looking to 29C, one of the main target, as you, as you explained, is the all the inflammatory component, all the, all the inflammatory pathways. So. We, we think that, uh, and this is also a, a, general, a general trend today, that this disorder, as well as other disorder, there is an inflammatory component that plays a particular role. And, and, and this is the, 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 the study that we are now performing. We are trying to see if, if modifying the inflammatory component, if inhibiting the inflammatory component, we are going to be able or not to inhibit this loss of eating control. And we, we have some, promise, some preliminary promising results in this aspect. Perfect, thank you so much. And also, did, uh, did you find any relationship between the genders, different genders, like a male and female, because it's an animal model and in relation, is this your hypothesis or not? This is also the study that we are doing now. <laughs> so now we have in the in the in the paper we have male and females, but in humans, but we only have male mice. So now we are doing exactly the same. Well, exactly the same. No, we are doing a similar study in female female animals to see the the, the sex differences in the development of these uh, behavioral disorders. Um, you're going to see once that we, we publish this, this, this result in females that there, there are really striking differences eh, in males and females. So the, the sex difference is very clear, is very clear for this behavioral disorder also. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Just a comment to that, that um, I've seen some good research evidence that in um, social intervention or group interventions for um, uh, using CPT and other psychological methods. There's also a clear difference in same-sex groups 
compared to mixed groups um, in group therapy sessions for obesity and overeating and undereating. Yeah, of course, in the, the, the gender gender difference difference in humans is is, is clear is, is is very well accepted. Eh? You just look the for for if you go through the through the eating disorders, you go to bulimia, anorexia, you, you see a, a gender difference that is really dramatic. Eh? And and the behavior, the, the, the loss of eating control leading to, to, to obesity, there's also a, a, a very clear gender difference. So I, I, I suppose that the psychological interventions will, of course, also depend on the gender. Thank you so much. Uh... Dr. Maldonado, um, I have a question for you from the chat from Sharon. It says, do you anticipate this research becoming more granular with capacities to mute the gene that predisposes one to food addiction? If not, what challenges do you foresee that could potentially come from targeting gene, from targeted gene therapeutics? Uh, as I say, the, for us today, we are not on the genes. We are on the epigenetic intervention. So the way, but uh, of course, of course, probably you are right. And probably uh, just targeting some particular genes, you can also obtain the same. But our our result don't identify a particular gene. Just identify, as 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 as, like, as uh, was underlined the question before some particular pathways, the inflammatory pathway, for instance, that seems to play an important role here. So for us, the, 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 the message could be try to go a little bit upper than the gene. Go to the regulator of genes pathways. And the regulator of gene pathways are the epigenetic markers, are the microRNAs. So, and, and, and today, it's, it's easy. To modify, to modify microRNA expression. So the, in, in the same, and, and, and gene therapy, gene therapy has some, if you modify the gene, you know that you have from a clinical point of view, you have more limitations that you just modify the RNA expression or the microRNA. So I think that in a medium future, in a long future, who knows, no? But in a medium future, I see more close the modification in the messenger messenger RNA or in the micro RNA than the specific modification in the gene. Is my point of view. Great, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Maldonado. Um, I know it's like about a minute before the top of the hour. Um, do you have a hard stop at the top of the hour, or do you have maybe a couple more minutes for maybe a couple questions? I mean, it's up to you. Whatever works for you, we can go with your timeline. Hey, for me, it's fine. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe around five more minutes. Um, so, Jamie, if you have one more question, um, I also have one. But, uh, yeah, after you ask your one question, I can ask mine too. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Hi again, Doctor. Um, I was curious, when I was reading your paper, um, when you were talking of mRNA-29C3P keeping the behaviour and vulnerability going and and six six nine pp um one thing that stuck out to me with the, with that is um are these two mrnes sort of working together to 
create this um, situ this situation for people. Like one of them's kind of causing it, and the one of it, one of them's keeping it going, and, and that kind of state. Or am I understanding that properly? Well, this is this is a multifactorial multifactorial disease where there are a lot of components that explain this this complex alteration in behavior, and uh, the 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 what we identify is that uh, if you see in the paper, we, when you do, do the, the principal component analysis, the PCA analysis, you see that the, in the PCA one, that is persistent to response and motivation, is the MIRNA-29C that is involved. Whereas in the PCA two, that is compulsivity, is the MIRNA-665. So uh, I'm speculating now, but if I speculate, I will say there are people there are people where the principal component one will be more important for the alteration in the behavior. And in these people, probably you have the, the down regulation of the 29C. Whereas in those where you have a predominant compulsivity, probably, and I insist in speculating, eh, probably you have the down regulation of the C165. So in I see these two microRNAs as a, let's say, independent mechanism to finally arrive to a, a, to a complex disease that is loss of eating control, that is food addiction. Fascinating. Thank you very much, Doctor. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think someone wanted to come up and ask a question. Um, if not, I'll just ask my... Uh, so, do you know what specific uh, genes are regulated by the um, the 29 and the 665? Like what, how do they relate to food or um, behavioral changes, if that makes sense? Uh, genes that are controlled by, by these uh, microRNAs are related to behavioral control and are also related to inflammatory, well, the, mainly the 29C, to inflammatory pathways. But there is no, and, and also the, there are uh, previous studies in drug addiction that also consider the possible relevance of uh, 665 in the development of drug addiction. So looking at the, 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 the previous literature and the, and the genes candidate, you, you have, I will say, mainly two Two main, two main pathways. One, the, the behavioral, the, just the, the, the behavioral control is one side, and in the other side, mm -hmm. the inflammatory component. And these are probably the two main uh, physiological or physiopathological pathways that could be modified by genes that are targeted by the 665 and by the 21, 29, sorry, C. Thank you so much. That makes sense. So um, behavioral and inflammatory. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're going to have one last question from Kubrick. Um, hi, uh, Martin Kubrick, if you want to ask your question. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, and thank you for sharing all of this. This is very interesting research you've done. Uh, and you, you, you guys did, uh, you, you people did, um, not just guys, I guess. And my question is this. How is if the food industry interested in um, 
causing such addiction is it possible to to stimulate the the rna to the point where you would induce a large populace to perhaps seek such compulsive behavior this is very abstract question but hopefully you can maybe answer it to it and the second question is in your opinion um the the general populace is there an interest from the food industries to reduce such addictions um i, I hope you get my sentiment thank you <laughs> very very general questions eh? but uh, uh, i think that uh, well uh, the food industry is interested in selling food that's clear <laughs> as much as, as as you sell as much as you win that, that's clear no but uh, i think that the the there are not uh, this is we, here we don't study the components of food because we went to the most easy way that is a chocolate flavor pellet is the most easy um, and and we just went to the to the easy no to the easy just modify the flavor modify the flavor so uh, what is clear is that by modifying flavors you are able to develop loss of eating control to level of food addiction and of course there could be some interest in modifying the flavors in order to get this loss of eating control but in our study we cannot say anything about the the, the, the different components of the food because we we haven't studied that and and i think that the the, the general population of course is, is interested in, in this in this uh, addiction problem in this food addiction problem this loss of eating control problem and the 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 the, the food industry is is doing um, his job and that is selling food products selling as much as possible and we must to 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 to, to take care about about the, the about the, the the this 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 kind of food where where there is this particular flavor easy to get at it no I'm talking about the fast food the the all this this kind of food where where you, you start with a, a caloric component that is not so different for a, from than from a general food but that you get this particular flavor flavor that start to you to losing eating control and this is probably the first way just to go to a general loss of eating control and to go to a, an obesity problem Thank you, uh, Dr. Maldonado, for that. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way, but that's definitely a really interesting way to look at it. Um, and thank you, Kubrick, for that um, question and looking at it from kind of like a, a, a globally, you know, outside perspective. So thanks for asking that. Um, I think we actually have one last question. <laughs> Jamie is going to ask just one question to wrap us up, and then you know we can let you go and hopefully have um, Katarina come back into her account. Um, but yeah, Jamie, go ahead. Thank you very much, Doctor. Um, my question was, um, when you were saying in your paper that the modulation of the endocannabinoid, sorry if my pronunciation is terrible here, and the dopaminergic signaling systems in this pathway confers vulnerability to food and cocaine addiction, it made me wonder, does this mean that the actual causes of both drug addiction and food addiction um, can actually be quite tightly tied together so that the possible solutions for one might mean a possible solution for others. 
for the other? You are, you are fully right. <laughs> I think that you, are, that you are fully right. You are mentioning my, uh, our previous nature communication paper where we reveal that the, the, the endo, well, the endocannabinoid system was a neuropsychopharmacology paper before, no? So where we reveal that a dysregulation of the endocannabinoid system in the prefrontal cortex seemed to play a crucial role in this food addiction. And in the nature communication paper, we reveal that the, the dopaminergic pathway to the D2 receptor seemed to play a crucial role. So the, the, you jump immediately to that drug addiction. And suddenly you, you found exactly, exactly the same mechanism. If, if you see my, my trends, well, uh, old paper, Trends in Neuroscience in 2006, where we discuss all our findings with regard to CB1 receptors and CB1 cannabinoid receptors and uh, drug addiction. That it seems that the, the endocannabinoid system is a common neuro, neuronal pathway, is a, is a common mechanism for drug addiction to whatever drug is. So now we find results that uh, seem to, to, to tell us that the endocannabinoid system is also playing a crucial role in food addiction. And dopaminergic receptor, you can see the very old paper showing the crucial role of dopamine in, in drug addiction as a common neuronal pathway, common neural mechanism for drug addiction. So dopaminergic and endocannabinoid system, we postulate that both are indeed common neurological mechanism for both drug addiction and food addiction. That is absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Maldonado. Um, so we are going to wrap up now. Uh, thank you, Dr. Maldonado, for your time. Um, so we're going to let Katerina know so, you know, she can come back. But um, before that, I just wanted to thank you for, you know, I know it was strenuous, Dr. Maldonado, going through all this um, technical difficulties. But thank you for coming in and spending your time with us and even going over a little bit to answer all our questions. We really appreciate you. Um, and we hope you can come back. We hope you can come back and, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> maybe this time, you know, with your own account and we can, you know, we can work yeah, things yeah, out. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> with less technical difficulties. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, definitely. Can I just take the chance to also say to you thanks very much for coming and here at Science Society we are wishing you all the funding and all the best you could get um, for this incredible work and we're very, very grateful for you being here. Thank you, Cecilia. Thank you very much for your attention. Yeah, thank you. Um, bye. Bye. Yeah, Katarina is going to yeah. sign in soon. Um, and so, you know, while she's coming back into her account, um, we just want to thank everybody and maybe give a few announcements. So um, this week we have another speaker coming in um, on July 11th. Um, his name is Dr. Oh, no, sorry. Never mind. Tomorrow, <laughs> 9.30 a.m., uh, Dr. Spontak will be talking about self-disinfecting and anionic polymers. So this is going to be really interesting to come and see. Um, on July 11th, we have Dr. Shen. We'll be talking about the continuous bows. Einstein condensation. So um, it's almost like, you know, um, 
uh, a science society, we like to switch gears between different pillars of science, different disciplines in science. And so um, today we had something about mRNA, and then tomorrow we're going to have something about condensation and Einstein and all that stuff. So there's fun stuff coming up. Um, we hope to see you back here. Um, and again, we apologize for the, what happened at the start of the room, trying to get everything sorted. Um, but hey, it's an app. We don't own it. There's only so much we can do. <laughs> um, to make sure you know we we're getting this information out to you but it is an absolute pleasure to host these rooms for you and um we hope you know that um we we really love doing this um so yeah thank you so much jamie do you have any last words just thank you everybody for coming and please subscribe to science society if you haven't and as sisi rahim also said um keep Stay tuned for all the different disciplines. We are more like the mixed martial arts and science. <laughs> so, That's funny. Um, <laughs> so everybody have a great time uh, with your day and thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to close the room now in five, four, three, two, Bye, everybody. one. Bye. Bye.